Good morning. It's Henry Harris. Welcome to another Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. Today's topic, listening, how it works and why it's powerful. So what do we mean when we speak of the Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health? We speak of the fact that you and I and every single person in this world is healthy right now. Why? Because the foundations of our mental health is something of a spiritual nature. It's not dependent. Our mental health is not dependent on anything of this world. It's not dependent on the circumstances of our life. It's not dependent on the feelings that we're having in a given moment. Our track record, our uh, positive childhood or lack thereof, it is a it is a, uh, our, our mental health is unconditional of anything of this world. Why? Because our mental health is, is an expression or it's an extension of a wisdom of an intelligence that is behind all life. Now, it looks to us on a regular basis, it looks to me on a semi-regular basis that I am experiencing a uh, real lack of well-being or distress or... Um, the, the the difficult feelings that we can have can feel like they are an indication, oh, there's, there's really something wrong. There's truly something um, unhealthy or broken. Now, I'm not saying that I, there is information to glean from distressing information, but let's look at what we mean by that. The distressing, to the extent that, dis, that distressing feelings, insecure, fearful, painful, anxious feelings seem to indicate a reason to um, uh, to panic or to or to just become uh, despairing that's an indication that we are um, reviewing those those feelings as 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 information about our our actual well-being we're viewing them as real information about our identity about about our, our actual lives in a real sense. And really, those feelings are, are telling us about the nature of, of kind of our personal weather. They're telling us kind of about the nature of, of our now. Each and every one of us is experiencing an ongoing, we're on the receiving end of this divine flow of energy. Everything in the world is receiving this divine flow of energy moment to moment. Each and every thing in this world is on the receiving end of this divine energy, this divine flow. And it alone is the source of everything in this world. Nothing has power to cause uh, in this world other than that one single simple source. So when I'm on the receiving end of a difficult feeling, uh, it's helpful to understand that it's true I'm encountering events and circumstances in the world, and it could be that I might want to respond to them or to intervene or to endeavor to make a change in the world at large. But it's very helpful to understand that I'm looking to respond or intervene to make a change in the world based on an understanding that everything is actually right now, right now healthy. There's, there's, not, um, there's a healthy wellness to the world and to me that exists right now. I'll give you a very practical example. Last night, I interacted with someone who uh, who made a request that I felt inconvenienced by and frustrated by. And this person's request has been persistent. And in my view, um, it felt controlling and it felt, uh, it felt controlling and intrusive in a way that I didn't like. And I reacted. I became upset. 
I said, you know, your perspective is uh, based on your understanding and your experience, but it's it's not necessarily corroborated to the world at large. And I don't like it. I don't like when you insist. I, I pushed back. I became um, I became angry, and uh, I res- I reacted in an angry manner. Now afterwards, I realized, you know, the, the person's behavior wasn't um, it wasn't fully considerate. On the other hand, my experience of anger, my experience of feeling intruded on, as normal as it might be, it's it's not based on a truth. It's not really the case that this person's behavior has actual power to arouse that feeling in me. Now, I might have the desire to say to this person, look, I have a way of doing things. I understand you do it differently, but I'm just letting you know I, I don't, uh, you know, this is what I see and this is what I want to do. And that could have been that could have existed in, in in somewhat of an equilibrium. It could have existed that response could have occurred within a, a measured and more peaceful outlook and feeling. And I was not in an out measured and peaceful feeling. I was in an angry and and um, reactive feeling. Now it's very helpful to me here to acknowledge that while it's normal, I'm not. Uh, I don't feel that I'm. Uh, I don't feel there's something wrong with me that I re- reacted the way I did. I just realized I don't want it. And most importantly, it's not, it's built on a logic that's false. The anger that I felt, it really, it really seemed appropriate. Like your, this, this person is um, with their perspective and their way of thinking and seeing and speaking. It's, it's manipulative and it's controlling and it's petty and it's uh, something that is deserving of an angry response. Like, how else should I respond to someone who's acting in that manner? So it, it, the logic of it seemed like their, their perspective, their way of doing things, is an actual source of, of harm to me. And I have no choice but to defend myself. And if that means anger, if that means a reaction of sorts, then yeah, that's what happens when people act inappropriately as this person, as this person did. So I, I, I kind of, I, I recognize that that logic is not real. It's not a real logic. Again, we're distinguishing between a person's behavior and the effect and the feeling that I, it's a, that is aroused within me. The fact that I have a feeling that's aroused within me of anger, of uh, reactivity, that's not direct. That's not deriving or arising from the person's inappropriate behavior. And it's valuable for me to see that. It's valuable for me to know that, not because therefore I now have control over uh, never reacting again. It's not that I'm going to use this as a technique per se to never react and lose my anger or alternatively to become a, a doormat just to let this person do whatever he or she wants. I, I'm just, I'm looking for the truth. I'm looking for the truth about where my feelings come from. Because when I when I live in a world of understanding, of a truthful understanding, I can navigate so much more effectively. So I don't know exactly um, whether or not I'll never react again in such a circumstance to this person or to other people. I, I but I do trust that, that 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 looking at the truth of this, looking at the truth that my angry feelings in that moment weren't to, weren't weren't being created by her. Uh, her her words, her intrusion, 
it, it didn't work like that. I, I had my feelings based on my understanding or lack thereof about how the world works. And it's normal that a human being runs up against his misunderstanding. We're here to see more and more clearly and more and more deeply the simplicity, the single simple source behind all life. Oh, that moment last night was a bit of a reminder that um, I haven't fully understood that yet. I haven't fully actualized that. I haven't seen, I haven't acquired a level of clarity about that in a kind of, there, there's, there's ways in which there's room for me to see that more deeply. And that's valuable. It's valuable to know the truth because the truth is, is that it is not the case that people and the circumstances and the events that are unfolding around me directly shape and cause my feelings. Now, I'm not suggesting to, uh, it could be that there's value in avoiding situations that are difficult or unpleasant, but generally speaking, my experience is, is that, uh, you, you, you can't fully insulate yourself from those types of experiences. Life in, involves living with circumstances that are, uh, that feel displeasing and that it's much more valuable than trying to avoid all those circumstances. It's much more valuable to understand what's true about them that I can, I can, as I live with the truth of, of how my feelings work of where and how I'm not dependent on the circumstances and people's behavior toward me, as I become more and more interested in that truth, then I, I, I evolve and I become more clear about how to interact in that moment. It's like my mind basically becomes less, less concerned with this person and his or her behavior. As I become less engaged in managing or concerning myself with or processing What's going to be? Am I going to see this person? Am I not going to see this person? What am I going to say to this person? How am I going to deal with this person? What should I do about what happened? As my mind becomes aware, you know, that didn't actually, his behavior, her behavior wasn't the source of my feelings, then it's my, my, my life gets simpler and I function differently. I navigate my life. I get insight. I get, I see more clearly about how and where to be responsive, to be with others, to be with myself. So we're looking for that truth. That's the, the, the essence of this conversation is we're looking for the truth about how our feelings work and how our feelings don't work. And as we understand that, we can be in our lives in a more peaceful and more free way. We don't feel the need to run away from parts of our lives or to protect ourselves from parts of our lives that truly are safe. They're, this this understanding does not mean that we don't feel difficult feelings. We do. It's just that as we come to understand where feelings come from, we recognize that those feelings, as unpleasant as they might be, they're not, they're not dangerous. They're healthy. They're part of a healthy world. And I can be in them. And not only can I be in them, I'm going to, there's only, they're the only place to be. And when I see that there's no other place to be, then I become uh, present and I'm available to the to the learning and the insights, the new wisdom that is undoubtedly going to be showing up in my life from from this single simple source. So that's that's the bit of an intro. Uh, today's topic I mentioned was listening, how it works, and why it's so powerful. So I had the opportunity recently to speak with several people. One of one including a uh, a wonderful uh, a wonderful young man who's a student in in yeshiva who is experiencing 
extreme distress over a sense of uh, failed or, or unfulfilled potential. Just extraordinary self-judgment and, and uh, kind of paralyzing uh, self-criticism about what he's not accomplishing and how he's not able to find his way and how everything seems to not be working. Like so much so that he, there was a point where he couldn't speak. He was just in such pain. And so in our conversation, what I found was that the opportunity was, of course, to listen. Now, what do we mean by listen? Listening is a fascinating thing because the, the, the possibility, there's, a, there's more than one way of listening to someone, and it's not always visible to us. When One way of listening to someone is when, as we're listening, we're, it's not visible to us, but we're having a lot of, of, uh, of thoughts. We're having a lot of thoughts and opinions and judgments about what this person's state or what this person means to us or what this person's actions or feelings mean to us and how can we help them and what should we be doing and are we doing the right thing and is he doing the right thing? There there could be a lot of mental activity that is not fully conscious and not something that we're planning. It's just that our mind can fill up with opinions and judgments and and concerns and fears that is, uh, it just gets very noisy. It just gets noisy in our own mind. And not only does it get noisy in our own mind, it leads us to um, to be operating more in response to our own internal activity rather than in response to the person we're listening to. So I, I once had an experience where where someone did an experiment. He had people pair up. He had people pair up. It was a group experience, a group learning experience, and he had people form pairs. And the exercise was for one party to share a five minute story of a memorable vacation. And the other person's responsibility was simply to listen. And at the end of the five minutes, it's flipped. And the first person then listened and the second person shared. And at the end of the exercise, the goal was to kind of check in and see, how did that go? Like, what was it like to be listening? And the response for the most part was that the people listening found it very difficult. They found it difficult to listen for five minutes because they became uh, they they found themselves feeling busy. They found themselves feeling distracted with what's on their mind and how they're doing and are they listening the the right way and what this person's story signifies about him or about about them and about their, their minds were busy, and it was a helpful it was a helpful rec- uh, exercise to notice how listening becomes uh, challenged by a mind that's kind of. Uh, that a mind that's busy and that there's that's lacking awareness of the nature of how the mind works. Listening works beautifully when we become more aware of our own flow, our own flow of kind of unceasing thought and feeling. Our mind is flowing continuously with all kinds of chatter, with all kinds of feelings and pricks and pushes and pulls. And that's not a problem. It's not a problem to have that unceasing flow. It's a problem when it becomes, when we're not aware of the fact that it's an internally generated chatter and that it can, it, we don't need to attend to it so fully. It can, it, we, when, we, when we recognize its presence without the feeling or the need to attend to it, to be uh, subservient or so, enthralled by it when when we can have our flow and recognize okay this is my flow but it's not necessarily 
the reality of life, then it, it allows us to begin to, to see things and be present to things other than our own internal chatter. Now, th this is, again, I want to be clear, I'm not offering any kind of technique in listening because this is a, a you could be conscious of this idea. It's a beautiful and simple wisdom idea to be aware of that as we become more aware of our own internally generated chatter, we can become less enthralled by it and they're more present to the person we're listening to. That's a beautiful, simple wisdom idea, but, but actually letting go and experiencing a certain freedom to listen, a freedom to be with our own chatter without having to, to deal with it, to react to it, to attend to it. That's something that, that is a gift. Like everything else in this world, it's a, a greater perception, a greater understanding about our, our psychological experience. That's a gift. And being aware of how it works is, is it'll, it positions us more, more fully to receive that gift. So what I found was that when I was listening to this uh, young man who was in such distress, it was helpful that I was clear that I was, I, I, one, well, a couple of things were clear to me, which I'm grateful for that I understood. One thing that was clear to me was that I was not going to be able to, to talk this guy out of his paralysis or upset. It wasn't going to be me that was going to bring him to a different state of mind. That I, that I, I had some understanding of. I, I knew that the way that people's states of mind work is that it doesn't get brought. It doesn't get, it's not, it's not, uh, people don't move people to other, to different states of mind. They can experience a shift in a, in a, in a state of mind through their own awakening to something through their own access to a new divine uh, flow, their own ability to kind of see, wait, I'm, I'm paying attention to something that's not necessarily it's not necessary to pay attention to. A person can awaken to that and let go and experience something new. That's generally the only way it works is that someone wakes up to something new and it's helpful that they wake up to something new when they recognize, wait, maybe I don't need to hold on to what I'm fixated on right now. So as I experienced that lack of pressure, that it's on me to somehow get him to a date, the state of mind, I was very not busy with how to get him anywhere. Like I was just not interested in trying to manage or direct him. My understanding was that I was there to, to listen and to listen and, and experience what he was experiencing. And then to reflect back in a way that made sense to me, meaning as, as I was interested in being of service to him, I did get insights. I did get ideas about raising a question or making a comment or some kind of an affirming response. Whatever it was, it was it was a really it was a it was a blessedly easy job because I knew that it wasn't me who was going to be the one who was going to get him anywhere. So that's what happened. And over the course of an hour plus, um, at a certain point, I noticed that his uh, the level of his intensity and the level of his kind of urgency had subsided. And uh, at a certain point, I asked him, "Are you?" has something shifted for you? Like, are you experiencing the same upset as an hour or so ago? And he said, no, it's, it's changed. And we spoke a little bit about that. We under, we, we spoke about the fact that, that, uh, that was always there, that, that less intense mood was always there. It's just that he was somewhat fixated on certain feelings that he felt 
had to be addressed. They were so frightening to him. His his upset feelings were so frightening to him that he he just was absolutely devoted to figuring out and fixing those unpleasant feelings. But the harder he worked to figure out and fix those unpleasant feelings, the more uh, he experienced a sense of powerlessness. And uh, he didn't know how to stop himself. He did not know how to stop himself from focusing on fixing those unpleasant feelings. And as he felt kind of understood and listened to and held in, in his upset feelings, he started to experience some level of separation from them and he stepped away. And my goal was simply to help him recognize, you know, something shifted, but that what you're experiencing right now was there before too. It's just that it was covered up by the way in which you felt the urgency to, to, uh, to solve your feeling problems here, to, to solve the displeasant, the, dis, the, the unpleasant feelings that you had. And we spoke about that, and and uh, and it's an ongoing process. But that's really what we're doing when we're listening to someone else. It's a couple. To me, it's a couple things that are going on when we're listening to someone else. We're first noticing, in a sense, the goal in listening is to be with someone in a um, to be with them on terms that are helpful to them. Now, the first step is to recognize first. I want to be with myself. Oh, look at what's going on in my mind. I'm feeling. I don't know. I'm feeling judgmental. I'm feeling anxious. Am I going to do the right thing? Am I not going to do the right thing? The first step is is simply to recognize our own feelings and to see with them for what they are. Oh, here's a flow. That flow is based on obviously some sense that I'm in control, that I'm responsible, that I'm powerful, that I'm capable of affecting him or helping him or causing him or that I need him to go a certain direction. And if not, it's not going to be good. All of that, all of those feelings are generally stemming from the same simple misunderstanding that we speak about, that there's something other than the single simple source that runs things. It's in my hands. It's in his hands. I've got to get this done. I can't get this done. As I experience that uh, distress and that busy mind, I can look to appreciate what's true about that busy mind. And as we become more comfortable with looking and seeing the truth about our own mind, our own busy mind, our own busy feelings, then we start to develop a a, a kind of an ability to notice and watch our internal moods and our feelings. We become, we develop a greater appreciation for the way in which we have feelings, but we aren't defined by those feelings. We have feelings, they flow through us, but we aren't dependent on fixing them or getting rid of them. They can be with us and we can be with them and we can still go about our lives, which might include being present to someone who's describing or sharing something meaningful to them. So the first step is in kind of listening to ourselves, listening for uh, the presence of that, that flow in us, and understanding what's true about it. Then as we're listening to someone else, we become a presence. We become a kind of like a clearing for them where we can, we can listen and it's noticeable. It's noticeable when someone is troubled and they're talking to someone who's, uh, who's present, who's interested and capable of listening without agenda, without fear, without a sense of anxiety, just listening 
it's noticeable to the one who's speaking. And it's it's fascinating, but it allows that person who's speaking to to feel a shared experience, to feel a certain uh, there's a that's how it lo- it looks to me that it's like there's a share I'm exper- I'm ex- if I'm talking and I'm expressing something that's burdensome to me, and I sense that someone's actually here with me, it's a real palpable sense of I'm I'm actually ex- looking at my burden with the presence of someone else. That's a that's powerful. It's powerful to look at my burden with the assistance or the presence of another person who's not who's not trying to direct me, he's not trying to fix me, he's just looking at it with me. It allows me to look at it. And in allowing me to, and helping me to look at it, I, I start to see what's true about it. It's, the truth is there. The truth of my burden feelings, that, there's, that, there, that these are feelings, that they're flowing through me, that they're not truly indicative of, of a danger in my life, that's true. The ability to see it is... is um, sometimes elusive because I, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to kind of gain a, be, a measure of separation. And that's what listening can do, you know? So that's, that's my understanding of how, why, how listening works and why it's so powerful. It, 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 it's an opportunity to see first for first our own list, the mind of our, uh, our mind, the mind of a listening person is a busy and flowing thing but yet it doesn't define us. We, we can have those busy thoughts without feeling uh, overtaken by them. And then that frees us to be with the pres- in the presence of another who's then capable of sharing, kind of who's, who, who's able to taste a, a little bit more safety to look at those feelings. I can look at my feelings as they're not threatening. Gee, someone else is looking at them with me, and he's not threatened by them. He's present to them. Maybe I can look at them as well. And as I look at them, I glimpse the truth about them. Oh, these are feelings. These are feelings that are flowing through me. And then new things start to awaken, new insights, things people people can settle down. They can awaken to the fact that as human beings, we feel feelings and we aren't threatened by them. And the new insights arise, and that is the gift of listening. And listening is, is a... Like anything, it's a gift that we can apply ourselves to, but ultimately it's a gift that we receive uh, from the single simple source.